Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about you. Are you thankful that you're saved? Are you thankful that you're born again? Are you thankful that God has redeemed you? He's pulled you out of the miry muck of the world and set your feet on his solid foundation of his word in your faith in him. Amen. Man, where would I be without Christ? Before Christ, I was on the highway to hell, living in darkness, pursuing the things of this world. And the Bible says that salvation is of the Lord. And he changed this wretched, deplorable sinner's heart. And he turned my life around. And he can do that for you. Which I, I, I take it, he's done that for all of you guys that are here. But if you're here and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, he can turn your life around. He can put your feet on the solid rock. He can, he can ground you in his truth and, and set you on a right path. So I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful every single day that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what bad news comes across the headlines, Jesus Christ is Lord and sovereign over this universe. Amen? Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for that truth and help us to rejoice in it. Help us to walk in it. And Father, I pray for every believer here this morning that you will strengthen them by the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of your word. And I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that hasn't surrendered their life to you, that today they will see their need. First, in Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. So uh, please turn in your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're finishing the end of Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42, and we're going through uh, verse uh, 47. Last week, in, in our, if you're visiting Calvary Chapel, we go verse by verse through the New Testament on Sunday morning. And last Sunday, uh, my final verse I taught on was Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And verse 41 says, And so then those who had received his word were baptized that day, and there were added about 3,000 souls. 3,000 souls came to Christ last week. And so what we're going to get into today is we're going to look at the essential elements of the church. What characterized, what characterized the life of the New Testament church is what we're looking at this morning. And whatever characterized the life of the New Testament church in the book of Acts should characterize our life. And I also will add to that, these are essential elements to your walk with Christ. The things that I'm going to talk about this morning are important in the church, but they're also important in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So these things directly affect each and every one of us if we want to grow and be everything that God has called us to be. So with that said, let's look at Acts chapter 2. Uh, verse 42, the title of my message this morning is The Essential Elements of the Church. What should you look for in a church that you want to be a part of? And 
what elements should be in my life, what things should be in my life so that I can grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to go through them. I, think, I, believe, I believe I counted eight. And at the close of my message, I will summarize all eight of them if you missed one. So let's take a look at it. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on the very first verse. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the first thing we see in verse 42 is we break this verse down. It says, the NASB translation says, they were devoted to. They were devoted to. They were devoted to these things, meaning that they were deeply committed to these things in their walk. They made these things a priority in their life, and these things are a priority in the church. To be a faithful in your Christian faith, to be faithful in your faith in your walk with Christ, you need to be devoted, you, me, we need to be devoted to these same things. And the first essential element of the church that the people were devoted to was what? Look at verse 42. Look at it in your Bible. They were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching, a.k.a. God's holy word. They have to, the church has to be committed to the word of God. Friends, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, you need to be committed to the word of God. Okay? It's, it's, our, it's our lifeline. It's our word from heaven. When you open the Bible, God is speaking. When we study it, when we read it, when I preach from it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is theonostos. That's the Greek for it is inspired by God and is profitable. What's it profitable for? Look at the verse. For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. The word of God contains everything you need for life and godliness. It transforms us. It changes us. It, it conforms us. It washes our minds. People like to say, you Christians, y'all are just brainwashed. And I say, yes, we are. We're brainwashed with the word of God. We let the word of God wash over our minds and our hearts. And we don't conform ourselves to this world. We conform ourselves to the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. We love the Bible. We cherish the word. We hold it in high esteem. We understand when we read it, God is speaking directly to us. Uh, Peter, who's the dominant person in Acts chapter 2, who's gonna, who preached last week, we studied that last week, and we're going to see him again preach next week as, their, um, as a lame man gets healed. Peter would go on to write in his epistle, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 3, he says, he says this to all Christians in all ages, to us, like newborn babes crave the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Many people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they stop right there. But what does that verse say to do? It says, grow, grow in your salvation. In other words, not to be saved, but grow in your relationship with Christ. Grow in your sanctification. That word sanctification is the same word that can be used for growth. It means moving forward in your Christian walk. To, uh, s s growing in his word, growing in the knowledge, and letting the word transform us. Friends and family, 
This morning, ask yourselves, each person look inside. Are you devoted to the word of God? Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? That is the first step in your Christian growth. And I will add, that is the first pillar and the first bedrock of the church. We are committed to the word of God, and I hope you are. Verse 42 continues. Uh, he says, and to fellowship. The second essential element of church is they were devoted to what? They were devoted to fellowship. Koinonia is the Greek word. It means community, communion, uh, joint participation. It means sharing. It means intimacy. Church, what takes place when we gather? The church is not the building. The church is you. The church is you and I. But what takes place, what takes place when we gather is we have fellowship. We spend time uh, with each other. We build relationships. We, we make new friends. A church is a place to find community and connection. We need each other. I need you. You need me. Look to the person to your left and right, which is most likely a family member, but say, I need you. I need you in my walk with Christ. I need your encouragement. I need your support. I need your love. I need your help along the way. Even as a pastor, you know, I got brothers in this fellowship and other pastors in the area that I depend on, that I depend on for their encouragement because life can be tough. Life can be challenging. The Christian life can be challenging, and we need each other's fellowship and encouragement. Um, how can you, what happens when you have fellowship? What, what takes place when you get to know other believers? Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we have fellowship, we get stronger and stronger. God refines us. God uses fellowship to encourage us in our walk with him. It, it encourages us to grow. It, uh, iron sharpens iron. We find accountability. You're struggling in the area of your life. You're wrestling with a sin. You're not sure how to overcome it. Get into some fellowship. And find, brothers, find a brother in Christ that you can talk to and have accountability. Ladies, find a lady that you can have fellowship with and have accountability. Have fellowship. That's so important. If you do these things by the authority of God's word, you will make it. But if you don't do these things, I'm praying for you. But let's do these things. Let's do what the word says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. To stimulate. In other words, to push. To say, hey, you can do it. I, I got your back. You can do it through Christ who gives you strength. He says, let us, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as some in the habit, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church is a place to find deep, meaningful relationships that you can do life with other people. Church is a place, the people gathering, not the building, but the church is a place to find encouragement to keep you moving forward in Christ. And notice what he says in verse 25. He says, 
do not forsake your own assembling together as some in the habit are of doing. Do not forsake fellowship. Stay in church. Sunday morning is the first day of the week, and your first priority in this physical world is to have fellowship and be in church on Sunday mornings, the first day of the week. Not so you can say, well, I went to church, or I checked the box. No, it's not about that. It's so that we can do what we're doing now, and, and so that we can spend time with each other and encourage each other and pray for each other. You know, some of the best ministry takes place before and after service when there's fellowship. When I see brothers and sisters gathering together and talking and praying together and encouraging each other and another brother asking another brother, hey, man, how are you doing? We prayed about that Wednesday night. How's, how's life going? We need that. We need that fellowship, and we need to encourage each other. So don't forsake it. Make it a top priority. And if you work on Sundays, find a fellowship group to be a part of during the week. If you can't make it on Sundays because of work, I understand that. I've been there. But find some time, carve some time out of your weekly schedule to get together with other brothers and sisters. And don't forsake getting together. It sharpens you and makes you stronger. Are you devoted to fellowship? Please be. The third essential element is also found in verse 42. As I said, we're going to spend a lot of time on this verse breaking it down. The third essential element of church and the third thing that you need to be devoted to is what? The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread. Now, this phrase, breaking of bread, it has two meanings in the New Testament. And I want to explain both of you, when you, both meanings. When you see the phrase breaking of bread in the New Testament, the first meaning it has is the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And that's when we gather together and we partake of the communion cup and we partake of the bread and we all together as one collective body, we reflect on the great sacrifice that Jesus made for us at the cross. That is one of two of the church ordinances, the Lord's Supper and water baptism. But we need to gather together and partake of the cup, partake of the bread. Remember, Jesus said in Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, he said, do this in remembrance of me, and we reflect on the great sacrifice. So, so the, the scripture tells us to break bread in that way, to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. But the second way that the New Testament uses this phrase, breaking of bread, that you'll find, is it simply means sharing a meal together. Sharing a meal together. Spending time with our brother or sister. One of the most meaningful ways to have community and build relationships is having a meal together. It forms a relationship. And there's nothing I love more than to get together with some of you guys. We got together with some friends Friday night, went to Caravas, had a great meal together. And we got to spend time with each other, having conversation and getting to know each other. A uh, couple of brothers I got together with last week for lunch. You know, there, there is spiritual meaning when we get together with brothers and sisters in Christ for dinner or for lunch. There's, there's a ministry that's taking place. When is the last time you got together with some Christians for lunch or for dinner? You need that intimacy and you need that friendship. It's just a little tip, just a little word of advice. Maybe your schedule's real busy and, and, you're, and you're like, man, I just don't have a lot of time in my schedule. Do it after church on Sunday. You know, you're all here, you're all together. You know, dip out and, and head down to the restaurant and, and grab a brother or sister of Christ. 
grab some friends you see here at church and say, hey, let's go grab a burger together and let's have some fellowship. That's what the New Testament talks about when it talks about breaking your bread. When we get together to have a meal together or, and, excuse me, uh, the Lord's Supper. That's an, a vital element of the church and your walk with Christ. And by the way, if you show up next Sunday, as soon as service lets out, we're going to have this long spread of Greek and Italian. You like Greek and Italian? And we're going to have, the, I heard some amens. We're going to have this Greek and Italian spread next Sunday. We do fellowship lunch on the first Sunday of each month. And I hope you'll stick around. Not, not only are we feeding our, our stomachs, but that's ministry time where we spend time with each other and have conversation. Amen? The fourth element, uh, the fourth essential element of the church, which is found there in verse 42, that they were devoted to, is what? Prayer. Prayer. The fourth essential element is they were devoted to prayer. Jesus said in Matthew uh, chapter 21, verse 13, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Friends and family, we need prayer. We need to be a house of prayer and you need to be a believer who prays a lot and seeks the face of God. We're not just rambling words just so we can say we prayed, but where we're earnestly with all of our hearts, all of our mind, all of our voice, we're seeking the face of God in prayer. We face so many challenges in this life, and sometimes we just want to give up. But that's where prayer comes in. Prayer comes in when we want to give up. And we go to our brothers and sisters in Christ, or we shoot our pastor a text, or we shoot our brother or sister in Christ a text and say, please pray for me, I'm wrestling. Brothers and sisters in the local church praying with you and for you. You know, we, uh, we have the Sunday morning prayer time, intercessory prayer, that where we gather for prayer. Then we have our final closing song where we um, offer prayer at the close of service. Then we have the prayer cards in the back of the seat pocket that you can pull out and put our prayer request. And then once a night, once a night, once a month, we do our prayer night. We, we, we're doing that because we want to model what the text of Scripture says it, it is to model to be a church. And we want to be praying. One of the solemn duties of the local church and you and I, because you're part of the church, the ecclesia, is we pray for the lost. We pray that men and women and within our sphere of influence will repent of their sin and put their trust in Christ and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. To me, that's our number one prayer is that people get saved, that people turn their lives over to Jesus and live their life in surrender to him. That's the first thing the church prays for. Then we pray for our country. We're living in a very ungodly country with very unbiblical, ungodly values. They are not going towards God. They are going away from God. And what we need to be doing is praying that God turns our nation around, that God turns our land around, that you and I will be salt and light in a dark world, and that he will turn our country back to him, the true and living God. That's one of the things we pray for. I, we pray for the body of Christ. I pray for each one of you guys, every man, woman, and child. We are constantly, the elders and I, and in the prayer groups, we are constantly lifting up the body of Christ, saying, Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, 
meet the needs of the body. Encourage them in their walk with you. Cause them to be evangelists. Let them be light in a dark place. And we pray for the body and then we pray for you. We pray for you. As the Holy Spirit brings people to my mind, and I believe he does, I don't know, I don't know how to pray for them, but the Lord will bring some of you guys to my mind. And what I will do is I will pray fervently for you. Lord, whatever they're facing, whatever they're going through, I just pray, Lord, that you will meet them. Know this, that you have a pastor that is praying for you, that you have elders that are praying for you, that you have a church body that is praying for you. Pursue Christ with all your heart. And join us. Join us. You don't live on my prayers. I don't live on your prayers. You've got to spend time with God. You've got to spend prayer time with God, seeking God's face. You develop your prayer life. You got to have it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Man, there are so many things, and I'm preaching to myself right now. I'm not preaching to you guys, I'm preaching to myself. There are so many things in this world that makes, that fill us with anxiety, that fill us with stress, that cause us difficulty in our minds in our hearts but what does the scripture tell us to do David what does the Bible tell you to do but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God I got to take those things that are troubling me and I got to take them to the throne room of God and leave them at the foot of Jesus and you and I need to you need to do the same thing we need to exercise faith I know I'm preaching to myself, but maybe a couple of you guys also. We need to take those things to the Lord and leave, him, leave them at his feet and trust him with all of our heart and leave the anxiety behind. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So the scripture tells us, Christians, to pray for each other. You know, I talked about a while ago, sometimes people will come to my mind, you pray and say, Lord, maybe, maybe, maybe you're prayed up and you're filled with the Spirit and you're, you're filled with the Word and your, your prayer life is great. Take it to the next level. Say, Lord, who can I pray for today? Who can I lift up? Who is struggling? Lord, bring them to my mind. Bring them to my heart. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit places things on our heart that we should pray for. What is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit telling you to pray for? Then after you pray for them, not to brag on yourself or, 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 or nothing, but send them a text and just say, hey, bro, I love you, thinking about you, and I prayed for you today. Because a lot of times, at least for me anyway, when life is going sideways and I'm struggling, man, when I get an encouraging text from a brother or a sister that's, that's praying for me, man, it just lifts my day. So let's do that. Let's pray for each other and then encourage each other. It says the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, we got to have faith behind our prayer. We can't just say words and throw them in the air just so we said we said a prayer. But we need to have faith. 
We need to have faith and we need to have trust in God. That God will move mightily in the areas that we are praying for. And then I like to tell people, pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open. Not that your eyes are open while you're praying, but after you've prayed, keep your eyes open looking for the answer. You know, we, we prayed here on Sunday nights, and we, we pray for our country, and we pray for things taking place. And then I encourage everyone, now let's go out this week, and let's see what's happening in our country. Let's see what's happening in our community. Let's see what's happening in our local body. We've got to pray with our eyes open. We serve an awesome God who answers every prayer. Let me repeat that. We serve an awesome God who answers every prayer. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. But God in his omniscience, he hears them all. And he meets every need according to his plan, his purpose, and his timing. And by the way, too, uh, whenever I, I, I meet with a believer and they're struggling, I use Acts chapter 2, verse 42. This is a great verse to use as a spiritual checkup, okay? Somebody says they're coming to me, they're struggling in life, and things aren't going well. I use Acts 2.42 to just do a little spiritual checkup. I'll say, hey, are you in the Word? I was asking, are you spending time in the Word? Then I'll ask him, are you in fellowship? Then I'll ask him, are you breaking bread with other believers? And then I will ask them, are you spending time in prayer? And a lot of times, when we commit ourselves to these things, it fixes everything else. That's amazing how God's word works. Written 2,000 years ago, if we just put it into practice, it works. And things turn out right. This is why the church is essential for every believer. Because we need to make these part of our life. Amen? Let's continue. Looking at the essential elements of the church. We got through one verse. Let's look at verse 43. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. The fifth essential element of church. And what's important to have in our life is that there is a holy reverence for God in our life and in the church. Now, if you notice verse 43, it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. The Greek word for awe in verse 43 is phobia. And it, it, it mean, that word talks about being, it, it means fear. There needs to be a holy reverence. We need to walk in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to walk in wisdom, the first thing you need to have in place is the fear of the Lord. Now, let's define the fear of the Lord. The fear, this fear does not mean that you are scared of God. It means you have a holy reverence for him. God is high and exalted and on his throne. And his angels cry out day and night. At this very moment, the angels are crying, surrounding the throne. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And today, in 2024, 
We stand in awe of his power and his majesty. And we agree with the angels and we cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy. There is no sin in his presence. He is pure. He is perfect. He is holy. And because he is holy and man is not, it should produce a holy reverence in our life. Listen to Israel's uh, response to the holiness of God. Um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 18 through 20. From Exodus chapter 20, it says, All the people perceived the thunder and lightning flashes and the sound of trumpets and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled. They trembled in the presence of God and stood at a distance. They were like, God is holy, and they wanted to get away. Why? Because they were not holy. They said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. One of the greatest evidences that you understand the fear of the Lord is that you desire to walk in holiness, that you desire to walk in obedience because you know that God is holy. The holiness of God causes you and I to run from sin. It causes you and I to want to live a sanctified life. We see the things of the world and we're like, yikes, I don't want to be a part of that because it is not holy and I want to be holy and dedicated to God. Another way you understand the fear of the Lord is that you warn others to do the same. You warn others to do the same. God is just not this high and exalted grandpa and real squishy and soft and loving and, and all that. The Bible says God is love and he is compassionate and he is kind, okay? God is loving, kind, and compassionate. But at the same time with the same breath, God is pure and holy and righteous and without sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you and I sinners could be forgiven and be made white as snow so that we would be acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. This holy reverence, this sense of awe that filled the church in verse 43 should cause you and I to run from sin and warn others to do the same. And so supernatural things are happening there at the beginning of the church at 40, verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, of the reverence of God. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Many times today, God doesn't move because people don't fear him. People aren't sincere in their desire to pursue him with all their heart. And friends and family, you know, all it takes is this. All it takes is a hungry heart. Do you have a hungry heart? Do you desire to see God move in your life? Or are you just going for the status quo? We need to press forward in our walk with Christ. We need to stand in awe of him and have a holy reverence for the things of God. And that is the fifth essential element of the church, is there is a holy reverence for God, and that holy reverence should also be in our life. Let's continue. 
verse 44. We're going through verse 47 this morning. Verse 44 says, so we'll read verse 44 and 45. They go together. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. I just love verse 44. And all those who had believed were together. We're together. Now, when have you ever seen a large group of people just be able to come together from all different walks of life? It's very difficult. It's very challenging. But what enables you and I to come together, no matter what your background, no matter where you're from, is we have one common dominant theme in our life. And that is we are Christians. We are followers of Christ. And because that is the most important thing in your life, and because that's the most important thing in my life, that brings us together in unity. That's what brought the early church together in unity, was they wanted to follow Christ. And verse 45 says, and they all began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. The sixth, number six, the sixth essential element of the church, and the thing that should be important to us, is that we help people in need we help people in need in our body if there's a need within the body we we want to help them and also if there's a need outside the body in the community we want to help them too because that gives us an opportunity to be a witness we are the hands and feet of jesus when we see a need okay we work together man we're a team we're not just piling all the needs on Pastor David, you know, or, or we're not just uh, piling all the needs on Randy. We're, 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 we're collectively coming together when there's a need, and we are helping people in need. It could be a physical need. It could be some labor needed. It could be a financial need. It could mean that we give of our own possessions. Uh, this is a display of our love for each other in our community. You know, I get, I get phone calls. Uh, people in the body that have a need, we, 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 we do our very best to meet the need of the body to help them in any way we can. But sometimes I'll get phone calls from out in the community. People will uh, come to me and say, Pastor David, you know, Calvary Chapel, Irmo, can I speak with the pastor? Yeah, this is me. Hey, can you help us out? Can you help us out with groceries? Can you help us out... Um, with an electric bill or something's going on in their life and it's a, it's a legitimate, you know, verifiable situation they find themselves in. The only thing that I ask of them before we help them is come join us for a worship service. Come, come join us for a worship service. Join us on Sunday morning for worship because more important than that physical need is what? Their hearts. And so that's all we ask of them is come and join us for a worship service and we would love to help you out with, with groceries or whatever need you may have. And if we can't, we'll find somebody who can help you out. But we want to be helping people. We want to be helping people out. That, that is the heart of the church. You know, we are inward focused and we are outward focused. We take care of the body inside, but we also do our very best to, to help out the community. And many of you guys, man, I'm so thankful for you. Uh, there's many people within the sound of my voice. You do so much for this community. You do so much for the body of Christ, and we are very thankful for you. 
And as we grow as a body, as we grow as, as a church, our, our footprint in Irmo and Columbia is going to go bigger and bigger because of your faithfulness and your commitment to the people in the church and the people outside the church. Verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together. Verse 46, this is the beginning of the church. The, the spirit was just poured out at the beginning of this chapter. And we see here at the very beginning, the seventh essential element of the church is this. It was part of everyday life. Church life, the Christian life, doesn't just take place on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. It takes place in every part of our life. It invades our personal life. We are intimately connected with each other. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we look out for each other on a daily basis. Church does not always take place on Sunday morning as we know it this morning. It says uh, they were breaking bread from what? House to house. Church can take place not only here, but it can also take place in our living room. It can take place in our homes or any place believers meet. Church can take place in the coffee shop when you gather with a brother or sister for a cup of coffee and you open the word and you pray together. That is fellowship. That is the ecclesia gathering together. A couple of months ago, me and her brother went out on Lake Murray and spent, spent the afternoon on the lake. We didn't catch a whole lot, but we had great fellowship. We were having church on the lake because we were encouraging each other and we were doing life together. Church can take place on Lake Murray at your favorite restaurant, which is one of my favorite things to do, is going out and eating with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, one of the things I look forward to every, we try to every other week, but uh, I look forward to meeting Tim at El Himador in Lexington. Let me tell you something, man. Those fajitas at El Himador in Lexington, they are amazing. They, are, they, they do it just right. And I get to sit down with my brother Tim, have lunch, eat some fajitas, have some Mexican food, talk about church, encourage each other, pray with each other. But that is church. That is having fellowship. Those are the kind of things. It's not just Sunday morning. It's not just the building. It's the people. It's, it's you getting together with other believers up, away from this building. Go, go see a movie together. Go, go out for coffee. Spend some time with each other and have a church. Break, it said they were breaking bread from house to house and they were taking their, their meals together. Again, um, one of the most... One of the greatest ways you can build a relationship with people is, is eating food together. I don't know why, but it's true. You have a meal together and you just, it builds a bond. It builds a relationship. Or uh, Chick-fil-A breakfast. <laughs> um, and notice at the end of verse 46, he says, uh, with gladness and sincerity of heart, nothing brings more joy than spending time with godly friends that you do life with. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Again, there is a joy in fellowship. There is a joy in spending time together. There's a joy in coming together and having fellowship 
in being connected with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, it's just an amazing thing. In a day and age where life is difficult, um, friends, we all need friends. You know, it just seems like with, with, with social media and the online world, as strong as it is, we're, we're getting disconnected. And we need to get back to spending face-to-face time with each other. And it's medicine for the soul. It brings joy to your heart when you get to hang out with brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we find that in the scriptures. We find that in the essential elements of the church. Let's look at our final one this morning, verse 47, our last verse. He says, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The the eighth essential element, before I get to it, I just want to mention something for the first half of the verse. It says, praising God and having favor with all people. Let me just say this. The church is to be a benefit for society. The church is to be a benefit for the culture. The church is to be a benefit for the world. Why? Because we are salt and light. And we speak the truth in love. And, and, and we shine forth God's truth, God's grace, and God's kindness to the world around us. We are meant to be a benefit to this world, to speak the truth in love. We don't compromise on sin. We don't compromise on the word of God. But we speak the truth. We are ambassadors for Christ. But now my element the eighth essential element of the church comes from the last half of verse 47, where it says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The eighth essential element of church, and this is, this is so critical, all these are critical, is evangelism. Evangelism. Oswald J. Smith said, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. And so we got to be active in our evangelistic endeavors, you know, sharing the gospel one-on-one with people. Just, just coming right out and just sharing the good news that Jesus died on the cross for his sins, that if they'll repent and put their trust in Christ, explain to them the gospel, but also inviting them to church, you know, inviting them to church, encouraging them with scripture, sharing with people your, your testimony. We need to take every opportunity we can to evangelize this world and watch what the Holy Spirit does in their life when we plant seeds. April 1992, yours truly here got off the USS Eisenhower and I was heading down to Virginia Beach and I was heading down to the bars going to, going to do things I don't, that's not important, but I was going down the sidewalk of Virginia Beach and this young man with his knees knocking and sweaty palms, he reaches out and he hands me a gospel track. And I didn't want to be, I wanted to be nice. I was like, thank you very much. And he went to, like, he, he like wanted to engage in a conversation. I was like, thank you very much. I'm good. Thank you. I got it. I got it. I'll read it later. I stuck it in my back pocket and I went on about my darkness for that night. I went on about my darkness that night. If he only knew that young man where I am today, he saw this young 20-something-year-old sailor heading down to the bar, gave him a gospel track. Two months later, 
I was at a church giving my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That young man never saw him again. He doesn't know me, but God does. He was faithful in evangelism. Don't underestimate the power of the gospel. Whether you give people a gospel track or you share the gospel with them or you share your testimony, pray fervently and watch what God does in their heart. When they lay their head on their pillow at night in the quietness of their soul, they know what you said was the truth because it comes from God. We need to be evangelistic. We need to be reaching out. The world is in the grip of Satan. They are dead in their sin, and we have the answer. His name is Jesus. He is the answer. And that's the name we take out to the world. Friends, we are called to evangelize, not just the pastor or not just those with the gift of evangelism in the church. We are all called to take every opportunity we can to reach people for Christ. If you are evangelizing, God bless you. Keep up the good work. If you're not, start praying about it and saying, Lord, please give me the courage to reach out to my friends and my loved ones and my relatives who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior and help me to evangelize them. You can invite them to church, give them a gospel track, share the gospel with them, share them a Bible verse, give them your testimony. Just start planting seeds in your evangelistic endeavors. Friends and family, this is what characterized the early church. According to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let's let this be the blueprint for Calvary Chapel Irmo, the eight essential elements of the church. There they are from this passage. Is one, we're deeply committed to God's word, to studying the word of God. We know it's Theonistos, 2 Timothy 3.16. It's inspired by God. It, 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 is our, it is his word to us and we study it every Sunday morning. Fellowship, let's be committed to each other. Koinonia, let's spend time with each other. Let's, let's encourage each other. Let's sharpen each other. Let's hold each other accountable. Let's break bread. You know, next Sunday, the first Sunday of the month, we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper. And then after service, we'll be, having, we'll be breaking bread afterwards. But don't just wait for church. Find our brother and sister here in Christ in the church and break bread. Spend time in prayer. Spend time. We've got to be people of prayer. And then we need to live with a holy reverence for God. We need to help people in their need, in need in the church and outside the church, in the community. And we need to make our Christianity a part of everyday life. And then finally, evangelism. We need to be reaching out to the community. You're doing a lot of great things are happening in our fellowship, and we're very thankful for a lot of these things are going, and they're going strong, and we praise the Lord for that. But as God moves us forward, these are the areas that we will focus on as we move forward, being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning's service. Thank you, Father, for your word. I pray, God, that you will just continue to build on these essential elements in our church, Father. I pray, God, that you'll help us to be strong in these areas. And, Lord, I pray that you'll cause each of us here this morning to be deeply committed to these things 
in our personal walk with Christ. Help us, Lord, to build our life on these truths. For, Lord, we love you and we praise you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus I pray. Amen.